Hey guys, you're now listening to the Maranatha House Podcast. Jump straight into it. Hopefully it won't be too long. We'll try to keep track of the time. Uh, but yeah, um, <clears throat> Father, we just come before you with thanksgiving and with praise. Uh, we just love you so much, and we uh, thank you for this opportunity to talk just about you, who you are, and the love that you have for us. I just pray that uh, you would lead us and guide us into the truth that you have for us regarding uh, this topic today, that um, our hearts and ears would be open to what you want to speak um, and that it will bear good fruit in people's lives. So we just thank you for being here. You're the guest of honor during this time, and we just pray that uh, everything that we do today would be uh, pleasing to you. So we commit this time to you and to your purposes, Lord. Thank you for meeting us here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I can probably. You want me to? Just, I'll just read this intro thing. Go for it. And then we'll just kind of jump into it. So. Uh, I wrote a couple paragraphs at the beginning of my notes just to kind of give you guys the the purpose of why we're talking about this today. So uh, the purpose of this discussion is to re- reintroduce you to God the Father as a member of the Godhead. We were created to be in relationship with all three members of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and each member operates and relates to us in different ways. Any form of misunderstanding in regards to who the Father is and how He desires to interact with us will lead to us being separated from Him in relationship at some level. This inevitably leads to breakdown in all of our other relationships, including our relationships with ourselves and with other people. The relationship that we have with the Father is the first and most important relationship for every one of us. And for our own sakes, we cannot afford to be ignorant regarding the nature of his love for us. Um, Also, many of us have sustained broken hearts resulting from the failures of our earthly fathers. Another goal of this teaching is to allow God the Father to come and heal our broken hearts in respect to being the children of fathers who have failed to love us properly. All too often we associate the shortcomings of our earthly fathers with the character of our heavenly father. It is absolutely vital that we not do this. So throughout the course of this teaching today, allow the father to show you his heart for you through his word. Listen to him speaking to you and get to know him all over again for who he really is. So that's kind of what I wrote. Do you you have any other prefaces? Uh, that you just kind of wanted to share before we jump into the content of what this is about. Yeah, the other preface I have that even if you have a good relationship with your father, mm-hmm. earthly father, earthly father, it still wasn't perfect. Right. Yeah. Because only God, the Father, can love us perfectly. Yeah. So even still, there's better out there that you can experience and, and relate to. Even right. when you had a good relationship with your your earthly father, there's like only God can love perfectly and completely and fully, and so that's something I'm recognizing. It's not just if you had a bad relationship; it's we all like fathers are human. 
they they all like weren't perfect, but it's okay because God is. God the Father is. Um, and there's no lack, um, which I love. And so I think that's the other preface I would have is no matter what experience you had with an earthly father or even an earthly mother, um, God wants to restore that, redeem that, heal that, so that you can go to him unhindered, freely, like, with just this beautiful intimacy and boldness that he then can just fill all of those gaps. And there would be no lack. There would be no more hurt. There would be no more leaking hearts. That's kind of what I, like, describe it as. Like, God doesn't want you walking around with your heart bleeding and leaking. He really wants it whole. And he wants to be the one who heals it. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Yep, absolutely. That's so good. Uh, it's kind of like the testimony that Samantha shared earlier about her grandmother. Like the experiences that she had in her childhood in relation to her grandmother and holding on to those experiences have colored and influenced the way that she interacts with the rest of the world now. And so this teaching is very similar in that the experiences that we have had in regards to our parents and father figures, parental figures in the past when when those haven't gone, you know, the way that they should, holding on to those experiences color the way that we relate to and interact with Father God. And that's not good. Because we are attributing things to God that don't belong with him. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna address some of that stuff today as we talk and just reintroduce everybody to who God is so that we can have unhindered relationship with him. Um, all right, so let's let's kind of jump into the contents of this stuff. Um, so before we uh, do anything in regards to the Father specifically, kind of want to just talk about the concept of the Godhead. Um, Godhead is another word for Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, so but it's it's a word that we use to understand the one God in three persons. But the word Godhead is in the Bible, so that's that's the word that we're going to use. Um, so there's this passage in Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 4 and 5. You guys can turn there if you want to, but I'll just, I'm just going to read it. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy might. So um, this is a really interesting passage specifically because of one word. Uh, when it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That word one is super important that we understand like what the definition of that, that word is. So that word one in the original Hebrew is the word ikad. And ikad. You got to get the phlegm in there to pronounce it properly. Ikad. We're probably still messing it up. Yeah. <laughs> so that word one, the way that we should, could properly understand it is one in the sense of unity, not in the sense of singularity. So it's not one in number per se, it's one in the sense of Savannah and I come together and we are of one mind. Does that make sense? Because, because we're married and whatever. But that's the sense that we should, we should understand God, as you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are one. They are unified in being, in purpose, in will, in identity, all that stuff. 
there is no analogy that works to describe the Godhead. Like, right, yeah. all analogies fail and break down at some point. Some people like to use water. Some people like the three states of water. There, there just isn't... Like the tri-core. Yeah, yeah, like a three-fold core. But it just feels like it falls flat. Yeah, every analogy falls flat. So There is an interesting way the Orthodox Church remembers it when they cross themselves. They'll mm. actually squeeze their pointer, middle finger, and thumb together to represent the three. Okay. And then the pinky and fourth finger are the dual nature of Christ. Oh, interesting. Okay, I hadn't heard that one before. That's cool. That's cool. That's a, yeah, the intentionality is really interesting. Okay. Yeah. I learned something new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the keys to this teaching in regards to God the Father is understanding that the three members of the Godhead are unified in will and purpose, etc., in being, but they still are three separate beings with three separate roles and purposes. And so today we're going to focus on the role and purpose of God the Father, but um, it would be interesting just to... If, Maybe one or two of you guys would like to briefly share. Do you have any thoughts in regards to what the specific roles of each member of the Godhead are? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Does anybody have, have any ideas? You could also say you've never thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Does anybody have any thoughts? <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. You never thought about it before. That's cool. I had never thought about it. Since I heard this question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still. Do. I do have a rabbit hole question. Okay. That's religious, but we I don't have to ask it right now. <laughs> it's a rabbit hole. Oh, but are you sure? Yeah. I saw this thing on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cutting it up. <laughs> You're about done. what biblical angels look like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I shared? Yes. Yeah. It scared me. Is that realistic? I was talking to John eyes. about it. Is that really realistic? If so, I said I, I said I was like, I'm not sure if I want to go to heaven anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, obviously, I'm kidding. This is sarcasm, but like that's terrifying. It's I would crazy. obviously I would have to see the picture, but like it's insane looking. Is it? But it matches like the biblical. These people in, I think it was Germany, took like every biblical description of angels and then did CGI. To oh, see wow. Them. They were like, this is probably still very far fetched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, it's probably terrifying. Well, I think they're saying it's probably more insane than what they were like creating. Yeah. But they're like depicting like cherubim. And yeah. 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 Are they're you going to show me? Yes, I'm going to show you. Have you saved it? Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, that's just, that's just one of them too. Uh, that that was just like one of the like renditions, I guess mega they did. Creepy looking. Right? Good yeah. job, Harvey. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Come here. Come here. I know you stepped on the block. I know that hurts. Ooh, that hurts. Oh, poor thing. It's like a Lego block. Poor thing. I would argue a Lego is worse. Yeah. I know she doesn't know super off topic, but it was another one of those things where it's like, Hannah, you think that's creepy? Just wait till you see God. So short answer to your question, if you read some of the descriptions of the seraphim and cherubim and stuff, like per per se, like Ezekiel chapter one, if you read Ezekiel chapter one and try to figure out what the description would look like, it's probably something similar to that. Because I told John, like growing up, all I... the Baptist church that yeah. Ronnie and I grew up in together. Yeah. Just, I just envisioned like, like these nice blonde, blonde female Anglo, with wings. Anglo-Saxon white yeah. people yeah. with <laughs> white, <laughs> white wings. <laughs> yeah. Like, not that. Not yeah. that One thing I think about is like when the angels came and talked to people, like 
They they say like do don't not be, be afraid, afraid because the they probably thing. look insane. Yeah. yeah, and like I was talking they to my cousin, scary I was yeah. talking to my cousin Madison about it. She was just like, imagine being Mary in the middle of the night and just hearing "Do not be afraid." Yeah, and you open your eyes and you see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird because like, there's like there's depictions of angels like the ones you saw in that depiction, but there's also angels that look like men. Yeah, you know, and so. Yeah. There's different, just different heavenly beings, and it, yeah. it had been festering, but and I was like, I, I have to ask very specific people, yeah. like if they think that this is accurate, and two of them are sitting in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would make sense. You wake up and see one of them, you're like, whoa, <gasps> yeah. do not worship like, me. They all fall to their face, like fall to the ground. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably try to worship. I don't know, see one of those things. Right. I'll yeah. do whatever you want. Angels take different bodily forms. Let's put it that way. Some of their bodily forms are described looking like that. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the roles of the members of the Godhead. Uh, If you guys want to turn to Genesis 1 uh, real quick, I'm just going to read the first three verses. I know you guys all know these scriptures. If we had Micah here, he'd read it in Hebrew. He would. Alright, uh, so, yeah, why don't you read for or us vision. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Read for us the first three verses. Uh, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Cool. Alright, so this is one of the cool passages where it's it's interesting to look at like the different roles of of the members of the Godhead, because here you have at least two members mentioned. You have right. uh, you have God, and then you have the Spirit of God. Um, and so the way that it's helped me to think about this is, if the Spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the waters, and then you have a different member of the Godhead, God, who is speaking, saying, let there be light, then it stands to reason that like one member of the Godhead speaks creation into existence, and the other member of the Godhead, God the Spirit, performs or effectuates it. Does that make sense? Which makes sense to us because all throughout the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is described as power, Yeah. right? So um, the the simple way that that I like to understand it is um, God the Father willed that there would be light. He thought it. He willed it. God the Word, who is Jesus pre-incarnate, spoke the light into existence. And then God the Spirit performed or effectuated it in creation. Does that make sense? Right. So you have three distinct members of the Godhead who are unified in purpose, but play different roles in carrying out those purposes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. It makes me think, too, I just had this thought of, like, how God the Father is still that way today. Jesus is still that way today where he's yes. speaking and praying and interceding for us yeah. on behalf of us. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit's here performing the will and what the spoken word of Jesus. Yeah. It's really cool to think of it that way that it, it bears out Old Testament and current. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've got some uh, New Testament scriptures in here. Um, somebody read for me. Somebody pull up Acts 10.38. And while you're pulling up Acts 10.38, um, Savannah, why don't you read another scripture? Matthew 12, the Matthew 12.25-28. 12, so Matthew twelve twenty five through twenty eight is a passage um, that in the it's in the context of Jesus casting out um, evil spirits out of somebody, um, and the the Pharisees are accusing him of casting out demons by the power of the devil, 
and so Beelzebub, which is just another word for the devil. Um, so, Samantha, when you're ready, go ahead and read this. Okay. Yeah. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to ruin, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? And if I buy Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come to you. Yeah. So here again, thank you for reading that. Here again, you've got three members of the Godhead, specifically in verse 28. So you've got Jesus, and Jesus <laughs> Jesus references uh, the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is by whom he's casting out devils. And then when he's doing that, he's saying, when, when I, as God the Word, cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so it's, it's this idea that the kingdom of God, the Father, is, is centered around uh, people being free of demonic oppression. And so God wills that people will be free of demonic oppression. Jesus comes and speaks healing or deliverance over this person. And then the Spirit of God whom Jesus is, who, who, the, whose power Jesus is working in, effectuates the, um, the deliverance. And so Jesus literally says, I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. And so again, you've got three members of the Godhead, unified purpose, different roles. All right, somebody read for me the Acts 10.38, and this will just kind of cement the, the principle, and then we can be done. Did anybody pull that up? Just the verse? Yeah, Acts 10.38. Uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Yeah, cool. So Jesus is obviously the second member of the Godhead is God the Word. Um, God the Father bestowed the Holy Spirit upon him. For the purposes of him having power to fulfill the purposes of God the Father. So God the Father wills that Jesus do all these things. Jesus goes about doing them and the power that he does it in is the Spirit. So you've got, again, three members of the Godhead unified in purpose but different roles in fulfilling that purpose. So that, that kind of like cements, cements that in my mind. I mean, we can talk about that some more if you guys have any different thoughts about it. Um, but all three members are involved to accomplish, to accomplish the purposes of the one God. All right. Does that make sense, everybody? You kind of following? All right, cool. Um, yes, yes. All right, so that all being the case... Because there are three different members of the Godhead, and because each one has a different role, we need to understand how to properly relate to each each one of the members of the Godhead. Um, today we're specifically going to focus on clearing up misunderstandings regarding the roles of Jesus and the Father. Because a lot of us relate to God in the sense that maybe we talk to Jesus and really we should be talking to the Father or you know we're we're looking to Jesus for things that the Father wants to provide to us. Um, and the reason being is it's easier to associate that with Jesus because he came physically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but that 
he came to point us back to the Father. Yeah. That was his main purpose. But yeah. we can get stuck on the physical of who he was. Which is a huge deal today because I, I see a lot of churches where like they just say, it's all about Jesus. Yeah. And while in some sense, yes, that's correct. Like It's also all about the Father and yeah. his love for us. Yeah. And yeah. Holy Spirit, so. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I can get behind the idea that it is all about Jesus because if you are focusing totally on Jesus and you are actually listening to what he's teaching, Jesus explicitly says, you know, (laughs) you now have access to go directly to the Father. (laughs) So if you're actually obeying Jesus and doing what he says, then you have to enter into a relationship with the Father. But a lot of people stop short of that. Yeah. Which is not not good. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not the full picture. Yeah. So we're not going to read this whole thing, but the next the next piece in a little outline is to just share the Lord's prayer and mm-hmm. to talk about how Jesus taught us to pray. Um, we don't have to read the whole scripture, just in the interest of time. That, that you can find that in Matthew but chapter the six. The purpose of it is you will see a lot of people praying directly to Jesus to then intercede on their behalf to the Father. Right. When Jesus shows us that he actually wants us to go directly to the Father. Yeah. And then in his name, in Jesus' name, that is good. Yeah. 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 So you you guys you guys all know the Lord's Prayer. I mean, how did it start? Our Father. Our Father. So when Jesus taught us to pray, who, who is Dear he, Jesus. Yeah. Who is he saying our prayers should be addressed to? The Father. The Father. Exactly. Right. The Father. Um, so, because of God the Father's specific role in the Godhead, we described him as the will that's necessary to, uh, to, bring, about, to bring about creation and healing, deliverance, whatever purposes God has. The will resides in the Father's heart. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the ones who speak that will into existence and then effectuate it. So when, you, when we pray, the I'll just, I'll just read it directly from my notes. For whatever reason you would ever want or need to pray, it is the Father that you need to have hear you. The will, quote-unquote, necessary to give you an answer lies with him the will to give you an answer to whatever prayer that you're praying is with the father it's not with jesus does that make sense your question cam no because if we pop back to creation the father has the will the son has the word yeah and then the spirit carries it out that's right that's right i'm just linking back yeah Yeah, exactly that's exactly right it all works it originates from the father it's the store to go yes yes so, so does does that mean then that in the Word mm. teaching us how to pray, how to speak, mm. we're now able to entreat the will to give us? It, what is it? It's the, the child lock, right? To? This one's easy. It's real easy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, me too. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> I was like, what animal is in the basketball? Oh, does, okay. does that mean that, not that we're replacing okay, Christ, but that Christ is showing us how to speak to the Father in order to carry out as the Word? So exactly. Okay, I, I think it makes, sense. I, I, it makes sense. I see what you're saying. So, 
My, I guess the way that not I would, that, not that he's replacing us, but he's gone before us as an example. So sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So the, the way that the way that I think about it and understand it is that the words that we are speaking to God the Father when we pray are not are not necessarily like the word in the sense right. that Jesus was the word. When we pray, we are making an appeal to God by our human appeal to God to move his will in our direction Mm -hmm. so that then when his will and his heart turns toward us then jesus the word can can basically you know speak and dispatch the holy spirit to move in power on our behalf does that make sense okay cool awesome awesome so yeah um kind of this is kind of like a side note what we talk about what's up Side note to what we've been talking about, um, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, you guys can look at this in Matthew chapter 6 whenever you want to, but I mean, you can probably remember this. Um, We address our Father, but then think about all of the things that Jesus teaches us to pray for directed to our Father. You know, it says, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So the Father is the one who has the will. Not ours, but yours. yours. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. All of those things are things that we appeal to the Father for, right? It is the Father who needs to, to hear our prayer and our appeal for these things. Because He alone has the will to deliver on that, right? It's like none of you guys have ever done anything purposefully that you didn't will to do right you need god's will on your side yeah. okay and the the will rests with the father you yeah. might have already i don't i've been out of the loop yeah. for a second cool. I've been Understood. But, um so if i pray like i feel like i just have a habit of being like jesus thank you for this day mm. is that not an accurate prayer so we're going to talk about that okay yeah yeah we're going to talk about that okay yeah, that's a perfect question. Okay. That's a perfect segue. So, um, <clears throat> kind of the, well, the next piece, um, where am I? Uh, where, where did I miss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the next piece in the, top, in the outline is uh, literally the question. How many of us have made a habit of our dressing our prayers to Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Yeah. 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 A lot of us have. Right. A lot of us have made a habit of addressing our prayers to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit. Um, which is not, there's nothing wrong or sinful about that, but what we probably need to understand is we're appealing to the wrong part of God's nature when we pray those prayers, right? We, we don't, the, the Holy Spirit cannot move in power on our behalf unless the Father first wills that he do that. Does that make sense? And so we can pray to the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, be here with me and move in this situation. Well, the Holy Spirit only operates as directed by the Father because the Father wills such things to happen. And so, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting ramifications when it comes to music. Sure, sure. When it comes to what? When it comes to worship music. Yeah. 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 The way yeah. I think about it is like one of those like marble towers back in the day in the 90s where you built a tower and you'd start at the top and then it goes down. 
Yeah, like starting right at the top of the father means it's going to go through the right all of the other channels, channels right. to then come out at the end. And if you start halfway, you're missing the full and complete. And yeah. what did Jesus say? Just following that up, I don't do nothing of my own accord, yes. but only what the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see the Father do. Yes. And like, so I just googled uh, like Bible verses that say like, ask the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Or ask Jesus. Yeah. And like, because I was like, and it's just not every time. I every time there was a verse saying something about the Holy Spirit, it was like. Ask your father, right? And then he'll give you the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yep. Ask your father, and it's always pointing to the Father. Right. So it's like, yeah, and like you're saying, it's not like sinful, no, wrong. No. It's just if you want to be effective, like yeah. it, it really does start about the Father. Yeah, it's a misunderstanding channels. of the Father, really. Yeah, it is. It's a misunderstanding. Yeah, that's exactly right, Cam. You have to go through the proper channels. So imagine, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They are the members of the Godhead who are operating according to the direction of the Father. There is, like, it's not a perfect analogy, but there is a chain of command. And if you ask the Holy Spirit or if you ask Jesus for something without first having that cleared through the will of God the Father, you are asking them to step outside of their chain of command. Yeah. Right? Because even Jesus was subjected to the will of the Father. That's right. When he prayed, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah, that's right. So that's literally the next piece of of the outline is, uh, I'll just read this to you as I wrote it. Jesus, God the Word, only ever operates according to the will and direction of the Father. Because this is the case, everything that Jesus does is always intended to point us back to the Father. So... When we see Jesus operating and doing the things that he does, we can know that he only did those things because the Father willed him to. Yeah. He never he never operates outside of the chain of command. He never does anything that contradicts or subverts the will of God, of his Father. Um, so we've got like a bunch of scriptures that we can read if we want to. <laughs> um, why don't we just uh, read a few of them? We don't have to read all of them. So... Uh, Can I say one thing? Yes, please. Jump in. I know I'm like hogging the... That's okay. You're really good at explaining this stuff without getting in the weeds. Sure. <laughs> but I think, too, like, again, there's nothing wrong with saying thank you to Jesus. Right. Totally. There's nothing wrong because he did come and, like, represent yeah. God. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently. Um, but it's like, if we want to be biblical... If we want to be biblical, he's saying, go directly to the Father. Right. And then he'll send me, and then I'll, like, the Holy Spirit will be sent through me, too. So, right. again, it's not like God doesn't hear my prayers if I don't do this. Yeah. It's more of just like, you know, we can say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Like, that's recognizing what he has done. Like, that is totally great. Like, recognize, thank you that you came to represent the Father. Yeah. But if I'm making an appeal yeah, for so. my life, right. that's when I need to go directly to the Father. Yeah, that doesn't mean I don't talk to Jesus, I don't work on that bridegroom relationship. Yeah. Like, so my husband-to-be, my, my co-heir with Christ, my right. brother, right. right? Like, we don't work on that, but it's a different kind of relationship that's right. with a brother than it is with a father, that's right? right? You don't go to your brother and say, hey, I need a hundred bucks to go buy this thing for school. You go to your father saying, I really do need provision for this. Can you provide it for me? So, like, if you think about it in that way, it's helpful. But, like, again, there's nothing wrong with being Jesus. 
thank you. Yeah. Like that was important. Yeah. That is amazing. Without you, I wouldn't have access to the Father. I wouldn't have the Spirit in my life. That's yeah. great. Right. Yeah. But appeals is what we need to go directly to our Father yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. Now, does Jesus, does he talk back to you? Like if I'm like thanking Jesus, I feel like I've heard from the Lord, like I've heard from God, yeah. the Father, and I've heard from the Holy Spirit. But does Jesus, does he ever communicate back to you? Yeah, so that's an interesting question in regards to like when we hear from God, right. who are we hearing from? <laughs> uh, that's a hard one because like there's instances in Scripture of all three members of the Godhead speaking. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily know. And like Moses' interactions were with Jesus the Word and his yeah, incarnate. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is yeah. referred to yeah, as exactly. Jesus. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It can be. Right, but then you have instances where, you know, uh, when Jesus get bapti- gets baptized and the Father speaks from heaven, right. this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Yeah. If you hear something like that from God, maybe it is the Father speaking to right. you. Yeah. So, I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. <laughs> my thought, like, and this is my simplification of it, just trying to keep it childlike, right? Yeah. yeah. As long as one of them is responding to me, yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, it's not like, like they're outside of each other's authority. No. Especially if they're talking yeah. back to you saying, like, I love you. Yeah. Uh, it could be from either one. Yeah. Right. And, like, you know. the, the Holy Spirit is recognized as a comforter and a teacher yeah. to bring all things to your remembrance. Right. And so it could right. be him, too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just kind of like, as long as you're hearing from me, like, and I'm hearing from you, I'm good. Yeah. Because they are in unity. Yeah. yeah. So again, it's not, oh, I'm out of order because I need to figure out who is like, okay, yeah. God right. in the triune unity yeah. is speaking to me. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And what's what's also interesting, a little bit confusing, but interesting, <laughs> is there's there's scriptures in various places in the New Testament that affirm to us that each of the three members of the Godhead lives within us. The Father lives within us, Christ lives within us, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so, like, all three of their presence is within us. It's kind of confusing, um, but it just speaks to the unified nature. Like, there's, there's also multiple scriptures, passages of scripture in the New Testament that talk about who raised Jesus from the dead. All three of them are credited with that. The Father raised Jesus from the dead, Christ raised himself from the dead, and the Spirit through his power raised Jesus from the dead and so it's it's kind of confusing but I think more than anything it just speaks to the fact that they are working in such unity all the time together because they are one yeah yeah Yeah. and so it just goes back to the the basis of this is not like you can only talk to the father that's not what he's saying it's like no just when you're asking for something or praying for something asking the Lord for something we want to start with the father yeah but we're just communicating like could be with any of them. Yeah. If we're thinking, then yeah, totally. Yeah. And Cam brought up a good point in regards to worship. It's like so when we when we listen to that song, if we're if we're worshiping and saying thank you for breaking the bread of your body and spilling the wine of your blood, that's yeah. obviously directed towards You're Jesus. Clear. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, are we wrong by doing that? No, not at all. Because we're saying thank you for your sacrifice. We're not making an appeal to God's will and addressing that to the improper person. We're saying thank you. You know, we can say. Holy Spirit, thank you for being present here with me to bring me comfort. You know, we can speak to each one, but it's important to know that, like, each one 
is a different aspect of the character of God as a whole. Right. And so... Well, then it makes me think about one of the most common phrases I hear in worship is, Holy Spirit, come. Yeah. Right? So no, that's that's improper. Right, right. What you should pray is, Father, send your Holy Spirit. Right. That's exactly. why I was like, yeah, this exactly. is interesting, really. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's also not wrong to ask for the Holy Spirit to come. Like, the heart behind it can be the heart. The heart behind it is great. But it's just... Who gives the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit does not act of his own accord, yeah. and it's not like... The Father has to release him. I really like how you put it, Savannah, about the family thing. Yeah. I keep thinking about me going to my mom asking for $1,000. Yeah. And yeah. then if she gave that to me, like, that's uh, going behind my father's back. Right. You know, That's out of order. But, like, my father is the head of the house, and so, yeah. like, he can, like, release it. So, yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And, uh it's really good. It, it just all comes from the Father. Yeah, yeah. It's from the Father. So, awesome. Um, so, let's read a couple of these. Do we all feel good right now? Does I'm this make sense? I'm always lost. Okay. <laughs> you always lost? I'm always lost. Do you have any I questions? I just see it. <laughs> Do you want the notes? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we are on, I didn't I didn't number these pages. We're on the bottom of the second page. Yummy, yummy, yummy. You can keep those. Bottom of the second page. Yeah, so... Um, why don't we read just a couple of these? They're pretty long. Oh, why don't somebody look up John uh, chapter 5. I'll read some from Luke 22. And then somebody look up John chapter 10. I'll grab that one. All right, Cam, and John 10, you're going to read verses 25 through 30. The person who's doing John 5, who wants to do that? All right, Mo, you're going to read verses 19 through 20 and verse 36. Okay. I'll start with, uh, with Luke 22. So these, these scriptures are intended to just basically prove and uh, evidence the fact that Jesus only ever operates according to the will and the direction of the Father. Jesus does not operate outside of, outside of the Father's will, and it is the Father's will that directs him in all things. Um, so here, here's a passage in Luke 22. This is uh, verses 39 through 42. Um, so this is right before Jesus goes to the cross, or right before Jesus is betrayed by Judas. It says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them, them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus, everything that Jesus did, up to the, all the way down to going to the cross, he was submitted to the will of the Father. His, he even had a will that was contradictory to the Father's in his humanity, but he submitted that to the will of the Father and took action according to the will of the Father. All right, so, Mo, John chapter 5. 19 and 20. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him, shows him things that he himself does. And he will show you him greater works than these that you may marvel. Yeah, and then read verse 36 also. But I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Awesome. So, 
more of the same, some, some of the key phrases in those, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. Whatever the father does, the son also does in like manner. The father shows him all things that he himself does. And then um, the father gave Jesus works to finish, and the father sent Jesus. Everything that Jesus did just points back to the father. I mean, Jesus is just the vessel through which the father, like, uh, brought his will to pass in the earth. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, Cam, John, or John 10, 25 through 30. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Sorry, there's no ever there. I just accidentally added that. That's okay. <laughs> uh, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Yeah. Yeah, so some, some key pieces of that. The works that I do in my Father's name. Right? And then the other stuff. My Father has given the sheep to me. He is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of His hand. I and my Father are one. Okay, so Jesus is just a mirror reflection of His Father. Um, I would, I would highly, highly encourage you guys. But they're not the same person. They're not the same person in role, but they are unified in willpower. In they are unified in their purposes. Does that make sense? It's confusing. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. The moral of the story is uh Jesus, God who who is quote unquote God the Word and the Father are not the same person. But they are together unified as one God because their purposes are identical, overlapped. They do everything simultaneously. Like they are just two different persons within this triune God. Which is why marriage is kind of cool because you get a glimpse of what that is. Right. Of two people being unified by one purpose, working together yeah. to fulfill the one right. purpose. Right. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So um, we're not going to read all this because it's so much scripture. Hannah, you can see it. Uh, it's like Roman numeral five and six on that next page. Um, yeah. Huge, huge chunks of scripture from John chapter fourteen. I highly recommend you guys read John chapter fourteen. John chapter 14 is so good and it's packed with so much good stuff. Um, but I'm just going to share with you some some highlights. It's the bold stuff that you see in there, Hannah. Um, so in John 14, verse 24, Jesus says, And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. In verse 26, um, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things. Mm-hmm. In verse 28, he says, My Father is greater than I. Verse 31, he says, As the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Right? The Father is the one that dispatches Jesus to do the things that he did. The things that Jesus did are completely perfectly in line with what God the Father willed. 
Um, if you go back up to uh, verse 6 in John chapter 14, Jesus says, No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had, know, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. <laughs> From now on, you know him and have seen him. So Jesus is literally saying, If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know the way that I operate in the earth, you know exactly what my Father's will is. Right. Like, I am the perfect mirror reflection of him. Um, in verse 9, he says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Verse 10, he says, I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So, I think we don't need to belabor the point, but because I think you guys get it. Like, Jesus never, ever, ever operates outside of the will of the Father. And in fact, everything that Jesus did in his ministry was specifically commissioned by God the Father and was completely in line with the Father's heart for, for humanity. Got it? Make sense? Awesome. Good. Good. Um, let's see. So, <clears throat> I really, really like the John fourteen six verse because Jesus specifically says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. This is super important. Jesus' express purpose for being here in the earth was to make a way for people to have access to God the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. Therefore, if you only pursue relationship with Jesus, then you are missing out on the very thing that he died to give you, access to the Father. You're missing out on it. You can't stop short and go to Jesus. And so, I'm going to read this, and then I'm probably going to turn over a little bit to Savannah. Are you cool with that? So... I wrote this this paragraph. It's letter C in the notes that you'll see over there, Hannah. So this is super important. Okay. It is easy for us to feel safe in relationship with Jesus, i.e. talking to him and worshiping him, etc. Jesus is the self-sacrificial servant that gave his life so that we could live. Jesus is the figure that went about healing the sick and freeing people from demonic oppression. Jesus reached out to the downtrodden and outcasts of society to give them hope. Jesus is our king, and we as the church are his betrothed. Jesus seems infinitely kind and entirely approachable. Because of this perception, very few of us have fear or apprehension in going to Jesus in our time of need. But what we need to understand is that all of who Jesus is and everything that he did or does for us is completely rooted in the heart of God the Father for us. The love that Jesus demonstrates towards us is but a reflection or an outworking of the Father's love. Okay? So, as easy as it is to go to Jesus, it should be equally as easy or even more easy to go to the Father because what you see in Jesus is the express outworking of the Father's heart of love towards you. All right, so I'm kind of going to turn the reins over to Savannah. Yeah, yeah. So the reason, the question we're going to move on to is, why is it harder to go to the Father? Right? What? Why do we stop at Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why? what could separate us from going to the Father in that super easy 
unhindered access, as Jesus said, through me you have access to him. Um, And there's certain things that have come into play that separate us from the Father. And the first one we're going to talk about is what normal church perception of Father God is. For me, that was something I had to overcome really intensely um, because I grew up thinking that the Father God of the Old Testament was judgment, harsh, sitting on his throne, wanting me to perform perfectly for him. And we had the thing of people even saying, Jesus is interceding on your behalf to keep the Father, like, to keep God at bay. Right? Yeah. Right? Do you hear that? Like that slight, that slight subtle perception of he's angry at you and Jesus is keeping him from destroying you. Yeah, Jesus pacifies the wrath of the Father through his sacrifice. Which is you know? inaccurate. Inaccurate. Inaccurate, very biblically. So... Um, so most churches believe that the Old Testament God that you that is the one speaking judgment over Israel, enacting works of judgment over Israel, is actually God the Father when it's actually Jesus, the Word, ruling and reigning. Yeah. Um, and so, again, that's a, it's an inaccurate perception of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, We have some scriptures that actually prove that. I don't know if we want to read any of them, babe. Yeah, so I I can kind of take this for a second. So um, there's a couple of scriptures that y'all can... I will share these notes so you'll know where to go. But like John chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. John chapter 5, verse 37. John chapter 6, 45 and 46. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. All of those scriptures speak to the idea that... um, the the member of the Godhead that interacted with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, all of the accounts of him pouring out punishment and judgment on them for their various <laughs> disobediences and rebellions, um, that was not the Father. That was Jesus in his pre-incarnate state as God the Word. So literally, uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about the the cloud that followed the Israelites in the desert by day and the pillar of fire that followed them by night, the rock that they drew water from, it says that rock was Christ. It was not God the Father. It was Jesus. Jesus was there with them in the desert. Jesus was the one that was on Mount Sinai giving Moses the Ten Commandments and uh, giving him the law. Yeah. Is that is that confusing? Yeah. Why is that confusing? I thought they said that was God. It is God, but it's God as Jesus. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. So there's some of these scriptures. Um, some of the ones in John talk about. They literally say, "No one has seen God, as in the Father, at any time. No one has seen Him." Um, and so what that leads you to believe is like, well, Moses saw somebody. I thought he just saw the burning bush. He did see he the burning bush. He also saw the hinder parts. Yeah, God passed by Moses on the mountain and allowed <laughs> him to that. see the hinder parts. Because Moses asked, show me your glory. But it was Jesus' hinder parts. <laughs> it also says, it also says that Moses spoke to God face to face. Right. And so... 
if you read the New Testament where it says no one has seen God at any time, then you have to you have to make the conclusion that that was not God the Father in human form that spoke to Moses face to face. That was Jesus in his you know pre-incarnate state as his member of God. What's up, Cam? I'm, I'm pulling the, uh, the verse for Hannah Yeah. Uh, it is Exodus 33. There you go. What? Yes. Seven, seven, yes. Seven, seven, <laughs> seven, 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 I was saying I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Seven, 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 says no one has seen God at any time. That doesn't mean that they won't. Yeah, it doesn't say future. no one will ever nor has ever. It's just yeah. no one has yet. Yeah. So I think we would die if we saw him. <laughs> we Maybe. Yeah. In our human form. That's what he said to Moses. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just so but he showed see. Moses his butt cheeks. Oh, but that was Jesus. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. So you can see how accidentally <laughs> having this perception can be like, oh, God, the Father is a God of judgment and anger and wrath. And Jesus is my good buddy who is keeping him at bay. And so that is why it's accidentally easier to go to Jesus because you're like, oh, Jesus Jesus is is safe. He's safe. He's he's the self-sacrificial lamb. God is angry. Um, And then what happens is like it's the same thing in like uh, husband and wife. Right? I'm not going to go to dad because dad will say no. I'm going to go to mom. And mom will maybe. There's some people that was the way. For some yeah. people it wasn't. The way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and like for my personal journey, I was told growing up that God, the Father, is the one who made me sick to suffer like Jesus. And so I had a very warped perception of who God the Father was. Why would I go to him? Right. When I didn't understand, like you were even talking about, like, why would a good God, like, give us more than we can handle? Right. Why would a good God do this? And I couldn't reconcile that. But Jesus was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a result, I had zero relationship with God the Father. Mm-hmm. And all I had in its place was fear of him. So why would I go to someone who I'm afraid of for help? For appeals, when all I had was fear. Yeah. So does that make sense? So it might, it might be an interesting thing for you guys to think about growing up, what kind of church environments you were in, and how did the people you were around talk about God versus Jesus? Yeah. Right. And just starting, is, is there an incorrect perception that might be feeding? This yeah. lack of excitement or hindrance of going to the Father. Because yeah. right. I had a lot that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. And it, it can be very subtle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to share one of these verses. John 5:37 <clears throat> says, And the Father himself, who sent me, has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. Okay. So this is really important. When you guys go read Exodus and you know read through Judges and you read through First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and you see all of this stuff, 
uh, and you read, uh, man, the prophets, all of the judgment that God pronounces on Israel, all of the punishment that he doles out for their disobedience and rebellion, the person who's speaking those things is not the Father. The person who's speaking those things is Jesus as God the Word, which makes sense because Jesus is the spoken Word. Jesus is the one who speaks out you know, the, the, the purposes of God. Okay? So, what's up? I have a question. Yeah. And this might be a difficult question to ask. Yeah. But it's just one that I've thought of. Totally. Is, so, we're saying that that wasn't God in the Old Testament. Not the Father. Not the Father. Yeah. It was Jesus. Yeah. But the Father wills these things. That's right. So, at the same time, I just don't want it to be like, oh, we're going to shift blame from God to Jesus. Right. But how do we do that in a way that's like, still shows God so like loving? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super important. Super <laughs> important question. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. It, and it's, so, so this is the deal. It's like, the reason that, to point out that Jesus is the one speaking judgment and punishment over people in, in the Old Testament is because we have a picture of Jesus that he is safe. Right. We have a picture of Jesus that he is the one that is forestalling God's judgment. Right. But what's really the case is Jesus is the one that is pronouncing God's judgment. Yeah. Right? Like Jeremiah when Jesus yeah. is covered in blood. And right. I've tread the winepress of the earth. Yeah. Which is... Right. So there's an incomplete picture of Jesus as well. Right. Yeah, that, makes, that makes sense when you read Revelation and realize that he's the... Yeah, that's he's right. The fourth horseman that comes out with the sword. From yeah, head. exactly, exactly. So, um, sorry. sorry, I'm confusing. A, I had a great uncle who argued that the fourth horseman was Christ, but Christ is exemplified. Comes on, yes, comes on yes, yes. So, so, not the, necessarily the fourth. Right. <laughs> so, so the thing that is being the misunderstanding that's intended to be dispelled here is this improper characterization of. God the Father holds contempt and wrath for us sinners. And Jesus came to uh, forestall and save us from God's wrath. And so Jesus is safe to go to because he intercedes on our behalf and prevents the Father from doling out justice that we deserve. Um, That is the the misconception, the mischaracterization that we need to dispel. What the true case is, is that, look, God the Father did will that judgment and justice be poured out on the Israelites. That was his will, but Jesus was the one that came to pronounce it and enact it. So he's just as, quote-unquote, guilty. Right, yeah. You can, both of them are implicated. Right. Both of them are implicated, and so you can't... You can't see one as distinctly separate in purpose from the other. Right. They are yeah. unified in all things. You mischaracterize the Father. Yes. Because you're going to mischaracterize Jesus. Yes. And then that goes back to the whole, the Akkad, where they are united. Right. Yeah. If one's purpose is only love and one's purpose is only judgment, yeah. then they are at odds. Right. Yeah. Right? Their right. purposes don't align. Right. But they are. But the other thing that's important is... God the Father is not the one that is enacting the justice and judgment. You know, that's distinctly Jesus' role because he carries out the will of the Father. Um, So, uh, you can't, you don't read the Old Testament 
and all of the judgment that's poured out by by Jesus at the direction of the Father, that's not for you. That's not intended for you because you are not under that covenant. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move forward and, and talk a little bit more. Uh, okay. So the point of that, I'm sorry, I stole your thunder. It's the point of all of that, the point of all of that, is just to dispel that mischaracterization and have everybody understand that God is unified in His purposes. And so, if you're not afraid of Jesus, then you shouldn't be afraid of the Father. If you are afraid of the Father, you should be afraid of Jesus too. <laughs> so they are unified in purpose. They are. They are working together in all things and so you can't pit one against the other and that's such a such a gross uh, misunderstanding that because jesus came lived a perfect life and sacrificed himself that his sacrifice uh pacifies god's wrath yeah. that he it, still holds towards us it like goes back to yeah. he did it because he saw the father doing it first right the only reason he went to the cross is because the Father didn't. That's right, right. The only reason Jesus went to the cross is because the Father willed that there would be a way opened to restore relationship. Yeah, all right. You can keep going. Yeah? Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. It's like all this stuff is like kind of the weeds, but it's really important because if you don't have these understandings, it's harder to get to the Father. It's harder to understand things completely. Yeah. So it's good that we spend time on this. But I think now moving forward, we're getting out of the weeds and into a lot more yeah. simple understanding yeah. stuff. Yeah. So we talked about something separating us from relationship with the Father. So again, we just talked about how misperception, blame, separation of purpose yeah. can really hinder our proper understanding of who Jesus is and who the Father is who they are together. So that's one thing that can separate us in relationship with Father God. Yeah. The second, I think, uh, thing that can separate us in relationship with God is we have earthly fathers who have been a poor representation to the Father, of the Father's heart toward us. Whether they've done it imperfectly or they have even been around or they haven't even been in the home, like, absent, like, Fathers are supposed to be a representation of the father's heart to their families and to their children. Yeah. And that's a tall order. It's a tall order, and they are human. Yeah. And so, inevitably, they're not perfect. <laughs> and so, as a result of that, we can accidentally assume blame and guilt onto Father God by association of the name Father. Because my father was this way, God must relate to me in this way. Because I had to perform to receive love and recognition and approval, I have to do that with the Father God. So why would I go to him? I have to work for this. Because he was absent in my life, the Father doesn't care about my life and the nitty-gritty details. He's not there all day, every day. He's the net without visiting hours. Because... He wanted me to be exactly like him, analytical, all of this. That must be exactly what I, is expected of me from Father God. But none of that is actually spoken in Scripture. That's what's important to recognize. These are all associations that we've experienced in life 
that we have then placed onto the Father God yep. without him actually saying, that's not my heart. That's not who I am. That's not how I love you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I had one association that I recognized last year where I couldn't, my, my father was not sure, not emotionally available a lot. Um, and he was a workaholic, so out of, out of office yes. in the home. Yes. Um, and there was, I had a fear of even knocking on the bedroom door when I had uh, night terrors and hallucinations and sleepwalking when I was a kid yeah. because my father would react in punishing me, like spank me to go back to bed. And so I recognized last year that I'm not running to my father for help because I'm afraid I'm going to be punished for having a problem. And that's not good because God wants to help in every area. Um, But that was an association that I had with my earthly father back in the day when he didn't know any better that I then projected onto my heavenly father and then limited my relationship with the heavenly father as as a result. Mm-hmm. When God's like, I'm here, I'm available, guilt by association. Yeah. Um, so there's a question that Matt and I ask a lot, and that's this is from the, the teaching, that normally you get asked, and in, in most groups, you've got a pretty high percentage of people who have not heard these words. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really sad. And it's not a result of failure of just your father is a result of failures of generations of fathers. Um, and that, that question is like, how many of you growing up as children do not remember your earthly dad saying to you, I love you or I'm proud of you? Or, I mean, for me, my dad said it, but there was nothing behind it. It just felt like emptiness um, because there was no evidence of that so like either you've heard it and there was nothing to back it up or people haven't heard it ever that i love you and i'm proud of you and the idea of that is there's no conditions attached there's no conditions attached um sometimes people raise their hands we don't need to do that today uh, yeah because it's just you you know the heart but if if you did have it in your hands you'd be surprised at how many people felt a lack of love, yeah. a lack of acceptance without conditions. Mm-hmm. That is such a work of the enemy. Yeah. Not all of it is the fault of the fathers. Right. It is the work of the enemy. Mm-hmm. So again, not we're, we're not, we're not going to shift the blame from God the Father to Jesus. We're not going to shift the blame to human earthly people. <laughs> We're going to give the blame to the enemy who wants to come in and steal, kill, and destroy relationships. That's who's at work here. That's where these breakdowns come from. Um, Do you have anything to add to that, my love? Mm -mm. No, I was just going to say just the concept of not hearing your father say he loves you or that he's proud of you or, or whatever. That's just one example of a myriad of, of ways that you know our earthly dads didn't love us properly yeah. there's a myriad of ways that they didn't love us perfectly um, so uh, you know no matter what form that lack of perfect love took in you and your earthly dad's relationship like it opens the door for you to have a broken heart yeah. I mean 
the definition of a broken heart that we like to use and that we've heard people use is not being loved by someone who was supposed to love you. That's what opens the door for a broken heart. When somebody who is supposed to love you doesn't or doesn't do it well or just can't, they're not able to. And no matter what the circumstances, if they're, they don't even have the capacity to love you. But in your heart, you feel like you you need love from that person, yeah. and you and you don't get it. Your heart's going to be broken. Right. There's just there's no way around it. Um, and so, like having a broken heart leads is going to lead to a breakdown in all your other relationships. You view the world through the lens of your broken heart, and so every single one of us has a broken heart from somebody. There is somebody in every one of your lives who was supposed to love you, but didn't do it properly. Um, and so one of the most important things for the purposes of, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, one of the most important things for the purposes of restoring relationship with Father God is allowing him to heal your broken heart. Because whether you like it or not, if you've got a broken heart in any area of your life, resulting from any relationship that you've ever had, it's going to color and influence the way that you relate to God. It will affect you. Yes. It absolutely <laughs> will. The big verse we used last week was uh, the Proverbs, I think it's four or six, uh, out of um, guard your heart, mm. or out of it flows all the issues of life. Oh, man. And that's exactly what yeah. you're saying. It's like, yeah. if you have a broken heart, all the issues of life come out of it. Yes, Everything right. concerning your life will come from your heart. So yeah. fixing your heart. Yeah. And let it the father fix your heart. Yeah. Rather. Yeah. It's like crucial. Yeah. And then as we were talking about with the father, starting at the top yeah. and then working our way down. It yeah. makes it a lot easier. You know. Totally. That's so good. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's no coincidence that like some of the biggest heart wounds that a lot of us have result from a parent. Yes. Because those are the people who everybody expects these people should love me. Perfectly. And so if your parents didn't love you perfectly, um, you've sustained a broken heart whether you realize it or not. And it's something that the Lord wants to heal. And once it's healed, it's going to reopen your relationships with, well, with your parents because Mm -hmm. you've allowed the Lord to heal that. But with everybody else and especially with him. So because, you know, the, the wounds that we experience by our earthly parents, we are automatically going to associate those things with God because he portrays himself as a parent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is just one one scripture, 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And so one of the one of the key things or one of the uh, key indicators that you have sustained a broken heart is if you have fear in any area of your life. I mean, do you guys have fear in relationships? I definitely do. No? You're you're solid? You're straight? Good for you. <laughs> good? I almost walked away from the Lord this past week. <laughs> There's some fear. <laughs> I mean, I definitely have fear in relationships. You know, there's so much fear that, that uh, colors and influences and affects the way that I relate to people. 
Um, and that is is right here. It's right here. There is to be traced back to a broken heart right. in some way, shape, or form. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So the honestly, the way to break free of of that fear in your life is to have your heart healed and be reconnected to Father God. Because what the Father God has to offer to you is perfect love. Yeah. You need Him. You need his presence in your life. You need unhindered relationship with him so that your heart can be healed, so that you can be set free of the fear, and so that your relationships can begin to flourish again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, again, a father's role should be that he is the one who establishes the emotional stability within the home yeah. and in the kids. Right. It should be that he is a place of safety and security. There should be an unhindered door of access at any time, no matter what the father is doing, that the kid can run up and be like, Daddy, I want to jump it. Like, can be talking to anybody. Like, that should be the case. But even if we haven't experienced that perfectly, that is the case with our Heavenly Father. That is who He is. That is what we have access to. And so, yes, we may have experienced a lack of that or a lessening of that reality because it depended on the mood, it depended on how dad's day at work went, right? That stuff is circumstantial. But that doesn't negate the fact that we have it with our Heavenly Father. And he has, he says, I am God and I change not. And so he is not circumstantial. He is not someone who is one day, oh, I feel good about you today because you did X, Y, and Z, and tomorrow I'm going to see how I feel about you. He is consistently dedicated to the best well-being of us. And so we have to practice believing that that consistency is there and that he is true when he says, I change not. Um, So that we can continue running to him even when we're like, I'm afraid to come to you, buddy. You say you want me to come to you. Does that make sense? How are we? We're how are we doing on time? It's up to it's everybody 1230. Yeah, I, yeah. We, she's gonna go down a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we'd be done by one. I mean, I, we really don't have like strict guidelines. So this is taking longer than I anticipated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just come back next week. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe Yeah. There you go. I was like, no, don't do that. I'm kidding. For you, you're safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I said Okay, uh, let me roll through some stuff real quickly, and then we'll share the notes, and it'll be good. So I'm just going to go through this fast. All right, how can we be returned or restored to relationship with the Father? First thing, yeah, you do. First, it's okay, it's good. First thing is we have to uh, acquire a proper understanding of who God the Father is. So uh, in Romans 8, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of adoption again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs of Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So what's important to know about who God the Father is? He's your daddy. Yeah, it's, that word Abba, I mean, it's... it's it's a basically like a pet name. It means daddy, you know. And our spirit can cry out to our daddy like we are we are a child who is loved unconditionally by our daddy. Um, and another thing that's awesome about this passage 
says, if we are in Christ, then we are entitled to all of the inheritance, all of the blessing, and all of the glory that a good father desires to give to a faithful child. Everything that the father wants to bestow upon Jesus as his only begotten son, he wants to bestow that upon us too because we're in Christ. And there's no conditions. There's no conditions. The only condition is that we be in Christ. And that's it. And then we are entitled to all of the blessing that a perfect and loving father desires to pour out on his children. That's amazing. That's amazing. And we can cry out to him as our daddy, which is awesome. Um, John 16, 23 through 27. Uh, this is super important, guys. This is one of the most important scriptures in this whole teaching. It says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assur- Yeah, this is Jesus talking. You will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. This is so important, guys. What Jesus is saying here is you can go directly to the Father. You have unhindered access to him in prayer. And he explicitly says, I am not going to pray to the Father on your behalf. You don't need me to talk to him for you. You can go directly. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. You have unhindered access. Because he loves you, you don't need me to speak to him for you and be a mediator. You can go directly. I am not the one forestalling his judgment and wrath. I am not the one that you know, convinces him to dish out blessings for you. He wants all that for you, and he wants you to ask directly because you're his child and he loves you. That is so important. That's so important. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Our acceptance of Christ as Lord is all that's required to qualify us for the Father's perfect love. If you are in Christ, you have access to the perfect love of the Father, and he is ready to pour it out on you. All you have to do is go to him, and it's yours, man. It's yours. Um, so, all of you guys know First Corinthians 13 that describes the character characteristics of agape love. Uh, we all know that God is love, so I'm going to do something kind of cool. Um, if God is love, then what First Corinthians 13 says about love is a description of God the Father. And so I'm going to read First Corinthians. Perfect. Yeah, I'm going to read First Corinthians 13, four through eight. But I'm just going to replace the word love with the words my Father or Father God. And so just listen as I read this. My Father suffers long and is kind. My Father does not envy. My Father does not parade himself. He is not puffed up. He does not behave rudely. My Father does not seek his own. He is not provoked. He thinks no evil. He does not rejoice in iniquity. My Father rejoices in the truth. My Father bears all things. My Father believes all things. My Father hopes all things. My Father endures all things. My Father never fails. That's so good. That's so good. 
if, if we have any lingering fear about going to our Father with our appeals, with our needs, with our wants, with our hopes, with our dreams, with, with the things that only God could provide to us, man, you don't know who He is. You're, you have a misunderstanding of who He is because He is perfect love. He endures all things. He is long-suffering. He is patient with you. I mean, every one of us instinctually knows what the ways that a good, loving father should treat his children, right? I mean, we instinctually know that. Everything that you know about a good and loving father instinctually, that's who God the Father is. And he does it perfectly. And he does it perfectly. He does it perfectly. Everything that you would expect, you know, from from a loving father in the ways that he treats his children, that's what you can expect from God. That's what you can expect from the father. Um, You know, he doesn't punish us unnecessarily. And when he does, he does it because he loves us and he does it in a loving way that only benefits us. Like, you know, he is always available. He is always uh, just faithful to uh, fulfill his promises. He doesn't back down. He doesn't fail. Like everything, everything. Um, and what's awesome is like we can get a glimpse of this character by looking at the way that Jesus lived while he was here. Yes. Look at the way that Jesus lived. Look at all the love that he poured out on people, all the healing, all the deliverance. That's who God the Father is, and that's what he wants to do for you. That's what he wants to do for you. Yep, yep. All right, so the second way that we can be restored to relationship with the Father is we must allow Him to bind up our broken hearts that we sustained from not being loved properly by our earthly dads um, or other or moms or parents in general. Um, guys, we've got to understand that the reason our dad or mom or parents didn't always love us perfectly was because they just didn't know any better. They really didn't. They didn't know any better. They, were un- they, they themselves were undoubtedly not loved perfectly by their parents. Undoubtedly. Um, because of the iniquity in our lives, loving our children perfectly all the time is just simply out of reach. You're not going to do it. You're not going to succeed in loving your children perfectly. Your parents did not succeed in loving you perfectly. My parents did not succeed in loving us perfectly. Um, and what's so important about understanding that is, you know, we understand it's not their fault. They, they did the best they could. And uh, part of the healing journey is just forgiving them for their failings and letting them off the hook. It really is. That's going to heal your heart so much, is letting them off the hook. Um, and really... Uh, What's so awesome about being in Christ and having access to God the Father is all of the things that you needed from your earthly parents that they weren't able to give you, God the Father can follow through on those things. God the Father can deliver. And so once we stop putting expectations on our earthly parents to give us things that they're unable to give us and turn our attention to God the Father who can provide that love for us, Man, it's so easy to forgive them because we don't we don't have those expectations on them anymore. We don't put uh, we don't put uh, things on them that they can't provide to us anymore. We don't expect the love. We don't need that love that they can't give us because we're getting it from the Father who can do it perfectly. I think um, 
one thing that I've recognized over the years for myself is the only thing we want as children is to be loved just as we are, right? And accepted just the way that we are. And sometimes parents fail at doing that. Yeah. Because they just don't know how. But for me to then turn around and expect, I need you to be perfect. For me to love you, for me to forgive you, for me to move on. That's me putting those same failures of expectations on them. Yeah. When I, they might just need to be loved and accepted right where they are. Mm-hmm. And right where they're at in the moment. Yeah. And that might free them up. Like being able to recognize that we're just loving them exactly where they are might free them up for the Lord to work on their life to change and grow in a beautiful way. But like all that we are desiring is that connection with a deep Father who is loving, kind, and patient. And we have access to that. We have access to that. So we can spend all of our time, you know, really digging into like all the things that, all the failures of Mercy Father, all the failures of Mercy Mother. But wouldn't that time be better spent if we just spend it in the presence of the intimate relationship with our Father? Yeah. Our Heavenly Father who can heal us. Yeah. Our Heavenly Father who can build us up in all of those areas that we didn't get built up in mm-hmm. growing up. When he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready and willing to be present, to be there, to provide, to care, to grow you up. I'm ready. Let's go. Let me heal you. Let me squeeze out all of that fear. Let me squeeze out all of the stuff that got in the way. Of your in your childhood, and let's move forward and in love and in peace yeah. and in healing, and it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So honestly, the moral to the story is, it doesn't matter uh, how your earthly parents may have failed you. It does not matter. Um, I mean, what's the worst failing of a parent that you can imagine? It's just not even being a parent. It's abandoning you. Like that's probably. You know, abuse could probably be worse than that, but like just not not being a parent at all is like that's that's you know almost as bad as it could get. But what we have to remember is God the Father is a father to the fatherless. One of His primary ministries is to be that. So we read this uh, scripture or showed this scripture to Cam earlier, uh, Psalm sixty-eight verses four through six says, "Sing to God, sing praises to His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds by His name, Yah." And rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless. A defender of widows. Is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious uh, dwell in a dry land. Uh, James 1.27 says. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. God has a heart for the fatherless. Whether you are. You know. uh, You are an actual orphan like you didn't know your parents or whether you are just spiritually orphaned because they didn't love you properly god's primary ministry is to you because he is a father (laughs) that's who he is that's who he describes himself to be like that's that is the moniker that he chose for himself his father and so that's who he wants to be for you so it doesn't matter what your parents failings were let it go forgive them let them off the hook because god has what you need even if your parents were to change everything about their lives and, you know, apologize for all the ways that they failed you, they still would not be able to love you perfectly. So you're trying to draw water from a dry well when you seek that love and acceptance from them. 
God the Father is a perpetually full well. <laughs> so seek love from him. Um, so this is just the last thing in my notes. Forgive your earthly father or mother. Let go of every wound that they may have caused you. Stop putting expectations on them that they are incapable of living up to in their broken humanity. You are a child of God now. And Father God fulfills every intended role of a father perfectly. You are not lacking in the area of fatherhood, nor will you ever be again. Accept this truth once and for all. Just accept it. If you can accept that truth once and for all and allow God to heal your broken heart, um, it's going to unlock the doors to uh, thriving, fulfilled relationships with everybody and especially with God. So that's kind of the end. Yeah, that's cool. That's the end. Um, we can do some ministry time if you guys want to, because there is like a ministry thing that's attached to this if y'all want to do it. Um, what time is it? Oh, we're doing okay. We can end by one. Yeah. <laughs> I have one thing to add since we do have time. Okay. <laughs> but one thing I do want to mention about walking this out. We want it to be a one and done, right? We want it like, let's just button this up. And sometimes the Lord is wanting to lead you on a really beautiful journey. And um, I like to think, I always think of the pink panda where he says a woman's heart is like an artichoke. You have to do a lot of work to get to the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or like shred. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like onions. Um, and that's, sometimes like we'll start with one layer of the onion. Like the Lord will reveal only what he wants to deal with at this time. So letting him be the drive, in the driver's seat of healing your heart is really important. Um, because we can want to dig into stuff that we, God's not ready to show us yet. Right? And then we're sitting in the depths of despair because we're just feeling gloom and doom. And the Lord is trusting the Lord's timing in the process to heal you completely. To heal you completely. And it can be instantaneous. And then three weeks later, he's like, oh, there's something else I want to show you. That doesn't mean you failed to do it the first time. Does that make sense? Yeah. doesn't mean, oh, I must have not prayed correctly. It just means God's taking you on another part of the journey, another part of freedom, another part of healing. And so release yourself to that journey and enjoy the intimacy level that increases at each stage with the Father. Yeah. And But it's, it's, it's this beautiful thing where you can say, you know, starting today, Father, I trust you with this process of you healing my heart and the relationships I had between my earthly father and my earthly mother. And from this day on, I'm trusting that you will reveal things to me in your timing when it's supposed to be dealt with. And you're going to teach me a way that I should go. And it will be good. And the ultimate end will be beneficial to me. Um, And there's a lot of peace and rest in that. And there's no condemnation then when you think of a memory two weeks later of something your father did or didn't do. And you're like, oh, it's time to deal with that memory then. Cool. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to dig him up. I don't have to dredge it up. The Lord, through his spirit, will perfectly orchestrate what that healing process is supposed to look like for you. I'm done. Yeah. So, is there, do any of you guys feel like you want to take part in the, the time of ministry? It basically, what it is, is just having one of the, one of the gentlemen in the room, uh, speak 
loving things and ask forgiveness on behalf of your earthly father and the failings that they may have uh, they may have had in your life and in your relationship. Um, yeah. Mary's a hugging ball. Yeah. Can I just do the hug? <laughs> I've already like forgiven my dad for all of this crap. I just, I just yeah. Have a hug, so. You can have a hug. Hugs are good. Hugs are always good. Oh my like God. Yeah. Well, let's read the prayer over you guys first, because I think it's yeah. just beautiful, but hugs are also really awesome, and the cool thing about the hugging part of the ministry time is that um, it's a really safe hug, like for females, you're not like wrapping everything around, I mean, we're all practically family, but you, as the person receiving the hug, can hug as long as you need, mm-hmm. the, the, like, they're pretty much a statue, the guys who are representing mm-hmm. your father. Mm-hmm. They're just a statue. And it is something so beautiful because some people need to hug really long. Mm-hmm. And some people need to hug really short. But it's up to you and your comfortability level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, why don't I just, I'll just read this. It's a short little thing. And just to let it minister to your hearts. Um, if you, you know see yourself as a person who who needs this ministry like just listen to what it says and uh allow it to hit your heart and then we can all have some good hugs afterwards um so on behalf of a father that did not could not would not or maybe just did not know how to tell you that he loved you i your brother will i will take responsibility for your heart right now On behalf of your father, will you forgive him for not telling you he loved you? I am so sorry for the silence and for the junk that may have injured you and confused you and left you feeling stranded on the inside when you needed him so much. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I release you from this fear and confusion. Now you're going to hear these words for your heart. I love you. I am so glad you were born. I am proud of you. You are a good son or a good daughter. This prayer makes me cry every time. (laughs) So Father God, I just thank you for these just words of truth and for your presence here to love on us. And I just pray that uh, the truth of your love would impact people's hearts and that they would uh, just run to you, that they would feel released to forgive their earthly fathers or mothers and uh, just turn to you for all of the love that they need in their lives. Thank you, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope today's teaching blessed you. And as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus.